Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? You all right? You here? You with us? We are glad that you're here. As we finish this series called Chasing Purpose, uh, I love this concept because part of it claims for us this realization that God has a purpose for us, right? And a part of the richness of our lives and our faithfulness to Jesus is, is that we can chase that purpose that God has in store for us. And I love what Reverend Millard did last week when she reminded us, you know, whenever we see circumstances that we can make a difference in and we often think to ourselves or say in our heads, somebody ought to do something about that, she reminded us that we are those who are supposed to do something about it, right? That we are those who are called, that we are those who are prepared. And a part of what she pointed out, and I certainly want to uh, reaffirm, is that, man, God has equipped us to do this, that God has a way forward for us to do that. And yet, sometimes we just feel like we're spinning our wheels. We don't fully know how to move forward. We don't fully recognize what it is God's calling us to. And sometimes we feel when we're chasing God's purpose that, man, we're not sure how to get there, right? And, and sometimes I think even in the realities of our sort of post-COVID world where we're coming out of all of the things that kind of kept us in and kept us away and kept us separated, I, I think sometimes more than ever, we're all kind of wondering, so what is my purpose now, and how can I make a difference now, and what does this look like, right? And, and so I want to offer us a word of hope and a word of help in all this, that no matter where we may find ourselves, no matter the circumstances that surround us, no matter uh, how funny or awkward we may feel about where we are and, and what our purpose might be, I want to suggest that God has one for us, and that that purpose can claim our hearts and our lives and can help guide us in a way forward. And the further good news is that um, the Apostle Paul, you know, the, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he offers us some great wisdom and insight into a way for us to chase after that purpose and to find a way forward. We realized last week why we need to do that, because we are compelled to do it, that God wants us to do it, and that God has a way for us to do it. Today I want to talk a little bit more about the, the how. How does this work? And Paul has some great wisdom for us. He writes in several of his letters to the church at Rome, to the church at Ephesus, uh, to the church at Corinth. He writes about what we now refer to as spiritual gifts, a, a way that helps us claim God's giftedness in our lives and that giftedness for God's service in the world. So in part, what Paul says here in the letter to the Corinthian church, he says this in the 12th chapter, in the first few verses. Now, dear brothers and sisters, Regarding your question about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God would ever curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now his wisdom comes here. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us for the common good. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Paul sets out a, a unique sort of foundation about spiritual gifts here, these first few verses of the 12th chapter. And then he will go on in the rest of this chapter to use the beautiful analogy of the human body and how we all have different parts 
and how all of those parts are vital to our own humanity. And he says, this is like the church. We all are parts of the body of Christ, and we are to use those parts for God's greater glory and to achieve God's great purposes in the world. It's a phenomenal analogy. In fact, I maintain it's one of the best metaphors ever in all of Scripture to help us identify what our role is to build God's kingdom. And a part of what Paul lays out in this 12th chapter of Corinthians is this, this idea that we all have a gift, at least one, some of us two and three gifts, and that all of those gifts are valuable and purposeful and have meaning to who we are as followers of Christ, and that no one gift is more important than another, that all are equally important and all are equally valuable, and none of them ought to be shied away from, and none of them, uh, even if we don't fully get them or fully understand them, ought to shy away from them, but rather embrace them and use them, better understand them. And what I love most about what Paul has to say is that in the midst of all of us having these unique and distinctive gifts, he says, here's what you really need to know. These gifts come to you, but they aren't for you. These gifts come to each one of us individually, and God empowers us through these gifts, but they're not ours. We are merely the stewards of them. We are merely the managers of them. We are merely the ones who have the benefit of using them, but they are for God's great glory, and they are for building God's kingdom, and they are for making real what it is God is calling us to. And I love that because I think far too often we have gotten caught up in one of two things. Either I don't believe I'm gifted or by golly, I'm gifted and my gift is all that, right? And we need to shy away from both of those because we are gifted and our gift is not for us. It's for building God's kingdom and in Paul's language, for the common good, for God's goodness in the world. And I see this played out in so many different ways in the life of this church. I, I couldn't even name them all, but I want to share with you just a couple of examples. I'm not going to name anybody, but I'm going to identify their giftedness and share with you a little bit about how they live into that giftedness and do uh, live God's ministry out in very tangible ways. And some of you may recognize these individuals. One of them is a man here in the life of the church. He's been in the life of this church for, golly, I think 30 or so years. I'm not really positive how long, but he has the spiritual gift of teaching and leadership and giving or generosity. And he determined many years ago, in fact, more than 25 years ago, that he would be the primary lead teacher for our second graders in this uh, church because he has the gift of teaching. And he wanted to utilize that gift of teaching. And so he utilizes that every single week, week in and week out. And all of our second graders have always had him for more than 25 years. And he has blessed their lives. He has lifted them up, taught them about the love of Jesus, and helped them to know that they are children of God because he has the gift of teaching and he utilizes that well. But he also has the gift of leadership and generosity. And so several decades ago as well, he determined that he would call together those gifts and establish scholarships through our Mozambique endeavor and mission. And so for several decades now, he has helped lead the parade and lead the endeavor to helping young adults grow into their scholarly wisdom and insight and become world changers in Mozambique and beyond. All because he recognized his gifts and he utilized them not for himself, but for others to build God's kingdom. I remember another member in the life of this church. She likewise has been a member for a number of years, and she has the spiritual gift of faith and mercy. 
And so for several years, she kind of struggled with what that might look like, how I can combine mercy and faith. Faith is that powerful gift that says, I can trust in God no matter what, and I can place my faith in God no matter what my circumstances. And mercy, of course, is this gift that says, I want to offer God's compassion and care to others who are hurting. So several years ago, she combined her spiritual gift of faith, and she stepped out on a limb and established a new nonprofit, an independent 501c3 called Liberty Ministry. And Liberty Ministry is a ministry that helps our friends who have no homes discover a home and to discover a way forward and that they can have purpose in their own lives and that they can move forward in a very powerful way uh, with a roof over their head that they can call their own. Mercy and faith. Yet one other member, again, longtime member, who has a spiritual gift of leadership and administration and serving and, and you know, her spiritual gift of leadership um, and administration, she's used in a powerful way to help lead uh, a separate 501c3 nonprofit that coordinates and organizes all of our Mozambique endeavors here through TREACH. She has for a number of years served on that board. She now chairs that board. She's used her leadership capacity to serve in leadership at every level in the life of this church over the last several decades as well. But because she has the spiritual gift of serving, she also serves at any number of levels. She's been in our youth ministry for decades. Uh, she serves communion almost every time we serve communion. She's on our hospitality team. And in any moment when you ask her to serve, she always steps forward. She always is willing, and she always gives her whole self. You see, friends, these are how spiritual gifts work. They, they claim us not for self, not for glory, not for honor, but for God's kingdom and for work in God's world. And so you may ask yourself, golly, how, how can I get in on this? How can I discover these gifts? How can I know more about my giftedness? Well, I'm glad you're here, friends, because we're going to talk about that. I want to lay out for you what I believe is Paul's recognition of these gifts and then uh, hopefully offer you a way forward so that you can chase after the purpose that God has for your life. Because the reality is you're a minister of the gospel, every last one of you. And unless we own our giftedness and live into that powerful gift, then we can't help build God's kingdom. But if we know our giftedness and we deploy our giftedness and we use it for God's kingdom, it makes a powerful difference in the world, not just for us, but for all of God's glory. And what a powerful gift that is. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I'll just call it a definition, a, a, def, a defining way to understand spiritual gifts. And I'm just going to kind of walk you through that and hope that it will be beneficial for you. The first I want to say about spiritual gifts that Paul identifies here in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans chapter 12 and in Ephesians chapter 4 is that these are most importantly unique gifts, these spiritual gifts. They are unique gifts. They are unique to you, each one of you receiving your own gifts, so they're unique in that fashion, but they're also unique in this fashion. They come to us in a very unique way from a very powerful and benevolent God who wants us to be empowered for ministry, equipped for ministry, ready to go for ministry. We don't have to have any kind of special training or special knowledge or special insight. Your giftedness, your spiritual unique gift is your training, is your equipment, and so we just need to accept this unique gift that the Holy Spirit gives to us. I love the way Paul describes it in one of his other letters. In Romans chapter 12, in the, in the sixth verse, he just talks about, now we all have different gifts, and all of those gifts come to us because of the grace of God. And this is the gift that God wants, that each one of us will have a unique and distinct gift. And so each one of us has this unique 
gift of the Spirit. That's the first thing I want you to know. The second thing I want you to know is these are unique gifts from the Holy Spirit. They come to us from the Holy Spirit. There's nothing we can train to get these gifts. There's nothing we can learn to get these gifts. There's nothing we can kind of understand better to get these gifts. We have to receive them willingly from the Holy Spirit. I happen to believe they come to us through our baptism. Whether you were baptized as an infant or a youth or you were baptized last week, your baptism is what allows you to receive this gift. And if you've not yet been baptized, man, I'd love to invite you into that. I want to baptize you and help you to know God's power and God's Spirit and recognize the ways in which God's Spirit can be, uh, move in your life. But the gifts of the Spirit come directly to us from the Holy Spirit. I love the way um, it's written in the book of Acts. The very first chapter in the book of Acts, it says to us in verse 8 that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. You will receive capacity. And that's what these gifts are. The, the gifts of the Spirit come to us from God's Holy Spirit, and they give us capacity that we could not otherwise have. We wouldn't be able to do it without these spiritual gifts, whatever they are. And so they come to us from the Spirit, and it's all about how we willingly receive them. And so we've got to have an open heart, and we've got to be willing to allow God to work in and through us. So they are unique gifts from the Holy Spirit, and they are graciously shared. This is one of my favorite parts. You know, God is a God of grace. God is a God of richness and abundance and generosity. And a part of that is God's graciousness. And in God's graciousness, God simply wants to bestow these upon us. Again, we can't earn them. We don't deserve them. There is nothing we can be prepared enough to receive them except simply to receive this gracious, abundant outpouring of God's love. Paul would write about this as well earlier in 1 Corinthians uh, in the second chapter, Paul would write that we haven't received the world's spirit, but rather we have received God's spirit. And we've received God's spirit in such a way that it helps us to know that God is giving us capacity and God is giving us what we have. And that's God's grace, just pouring it out on us, allowing us to be empowered for ministry. What a gift that is. It's, it's actually a little hard to imagine, isn't it? that God would desire for us these gifts, that God would pour them out on us in such a way that we aren't prepared for them, but when we receive them, they give us capacity to do that which we otherwise might not be able to do. What a gift that is. So they are unique gifts from the Holy Spirit, graciously shared with Christians in community. Here's what I want to say about that. Because when you hear about spiritual gifts, you hear about gifts like leadership or administration or teaching or even mercy or, or any number of other gifts. And you think to yourself, well, by golly, anybody can have the gift of teaching and anybody can have the gift of leadership and anybody can be a good administrator. And you would be right. But the nature of these gifts being of God from the Spirit for the purposes of building up God's kingdom and doing God's work in the world, these gifts are distinctive forms of leadership or teaching or administration. So they come to Christians only. So leadership, for instance, in the, in the body of Christ is not about leading any organization or leading any group of people. It's about leading the kingdom of God and leading the body of Christ toward God's kingdom. That's specific leadership. And the spiritual gift of teaching is not about teaching any subject to any group of people, but rather it's teaching the faith of Jesus Christ to those who are willing to receive it. It's a special form of teaching. 
Likewise, administration. It's not administering any organization. It's administering the life of the church and the people of faith, and it's helping guide them and collecting them towards a common purpose. So you see, these gifts are very distinct, and they're for a very specific purpose. That's why they come to Christians, believers, people who are willing to receive by the power of the Spirit these gifts. But they also come to Christians in community. That means they're not just for us, and they're certainly not just for our benefit or our use, but rather they're for the benefit of the body of Christ. They're for the, as Paul put it, the common good, right? To build God's kingdom. I love that. In part, this is what uh, Peter mentions in, in his first letter, 1 Peter 4, verse 10, when he talks about that we have uh, many gifts that God has given to us from the variety of gifts that God has, and we ought to use them to serve one another. Not for our benefit, but for others. And this becomes the primary focus of spiritual gifts, that they are bestowed upon us, but they're for others, and they're for the kingdom of God. And this is the gift that Paul writes about. So ultimately, there are two purposes for spiritual gifts. So they are unique gifts from the Holy Spirit, graciously shared with Christians and community. You're going to be able to spout this off before we leave this morning, right? But they have two purposes, for the doing of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Now, these two are real important because they're, they're critical to the, de- the deployment of spiritual gifts. One is for doing God's work in the world, right? Doing God's ministry. That's what we're called to. That's what they're for, right? So we've got to do God's work in the world, whatever that is. If it's teaching for you, that's what you'll do. If it's leadership, that's what you'll do. If it's offering mercy, that's what you'll do. If it's serving, that's what you'll do. That's what spiritual gifts are. They're our job description. And so we've got to do ministry because we're equipped to do ministry. But you know what happens in any endeavor when all we ever do is go, 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 serve, 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 do, do, do. Got to say that word carefully. Um, Thanks for being on the same page. When we, all we ever do is go, 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 remember what happens. We burn out, right? We get overwhelmed. We, we kind of um, burn the candle at both ends and we get stuck. That's why the other part is so important, building up the body of Christ. And in the building up the body of Christ, this is where we're there for each other, where we encourage each other, where we support each other, where we lift each other up, right? And we need both because if all we ever did was work, we would burn out. And if all we ever did was care for each other, if all we ever did was take care of only us and nobody else, you know, the analogy I use is that gross analogy of a, an ingrown toenail. Have you ever had an ingrown toenail? If ever you've had an ingrown toenail, it hurts. And all you want to do is think about it and take care of it and make sure that works. And by golly, I'm going to have to fix that. But that's not what the church is all about, right? And yet... We have to be there for one another. We have to encourage one another while we do God's work in the world. Both are needful. This is why Paul, when he talks about the spiritual gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, he describes this and he literally says their responsibility, and he's talking about spiritual gifts, their responsibility is for the doing of God's ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. He literally lays it out just like that. So these are spiritual gifts, unique gifts from the Holy Spirit, graciously shared with Christians in community for the doing of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. That's what Paul wants us to know. But he's not done yet. 
Because a part of what Paul realizes is as important as spiritual gifts are, there's some more that makes them work well together. And he said it there in verses 4 and 5 and 6 that I read from. Verse 4 was about spiritual gifts. There are many gifts, but the same spirit, right? And then he said, and there are varieties of service. In other words, there's different ways to serve. There are different kinds of service. And here at Treats, we simply say that that's our passion. That is to say, um, that, that thing that gets us going, that thing that we have a cause for, that thing that makes us get up in the morning, that there's a variety of ways that we can serve with these spiritual gifts, and we call that passion. And if you're not real clear about what passion is, passion is where your heart breaks to make a difference in the world. Every last one of us has a heartbreaking moment, right? That that just breaks my heart. I want to make a difference about that. I I have to be there. I have to do something about that thing. This is what Reverend Millard was talking about last week. We've all got something that we've got a passion for. And there are, basically speaking, two forms of passion. One is people passion. I, I have a passion for groups of people, children or youth or the divorced or newlyweds or senior adults, or I've got a passion for some group of people. It doesn't matter what the group is, but we've all got some kind of passion for some group of people. Or we've got a passion for what I just refer to as causes, like poverty or lack of clean drinking water or addiction or human trafficking, right? There are these causes that we have a passion for, and we, our heart breaks so much that we want to make a difference in that. And this is what Jesus had. He had passion. In fact, he had compassion, right? Matthew 14 tells us that he came upon a crowd, and uh, this happened numerous times, but in Matthew 14, it just describes he, he came upon a crowd and he had compassion for them. And so he, he went about healing those who were broken because that's what Jesus was good at, was bringing wholeness out of brokenness, was helping people become whole in a broken world, right? And so his passion drove him. Every one of us has a passion of some kind. It may have nothing to do with the church, literally. But if you combine what it is your heart breaks for with what it is God has gifted you with, you're on the road to building God's kingdom in a powerful way. Paul's not done, though. He says there are many gifts. He says there are many ways to serve, and that's passion. And then he also says in verse 6 that God works among us in different capacities. We call that here at Treach ministry style. In other words, God's equipped us in different ways, that God's helping us to uh, interface in different kinds of understandings. And, and ultimately, our ministry style is about our relationships, relationships with people or relationships with other things. But ultimately, our ministry style, not right or wrong, not good or bad, it's, it's just different. Every one of us relates to things differently. Another way we talk about that is we're either oriented towards people or we're oriented towards task. And you know that, right? If I'm people-oriented, I get energy from people and being in groups, and, and, and I just love to do that. Or if I'm energized by getting tasks done and accomplishing those things, then I, 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 I lean that way, right? But I'm also, we're either uh, desiring to live in structure or freedom. And you know if you're this way. If you desire structure, you want all the rules, you read the manual, you take everything out, and you look at it carefully, and you make sure you follow it in a very prescriptive way, right? If you love freedom, you just, you just want to know what the end goal is. Well, tell me what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to go do it the way I want to do it, right? 
and we all know who we are, whether people are tasked, structured, or free, and there's nothing right or wrong about any of that. Paul tells us this in a beautiful way at the end of this 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In using the analogy of the body, he says in verse 21, you know, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the hand, I don't need you, because we need each other. And we need those who are about people, and we need those who are about tasks, and we need those who are needing structure and those who need freedom. We need all of it, you see. And ultimately what Paul is saying to us right here in these first few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is we need to identify our gifts. We need to discover our passion, and we need to realize our style. And when we do, and we combine them, man, there's no stopping us. We're like that Energizer bunny that never quits. And and I want to offer you a way to discover this. Pastor Millard mentioned it last week, and I'll mention it again this week. If you go to tmumc.org gifted, we have an online resource for you. It takes about 30 minutes. If you complete that, it will help you identify all three things, your giftedness, your passion, and your style. And when you do, and you implement that, and you deploy that, man, we will link arms with one another, and we will get amazing things done for Christ. This is the opportunity we have. Next week, you have an opportunity to take what we refer to as a next steps class if you really want to know more. It's all about the gift to serve discovery. And if you take it this week and you want somebody to walk alongside of you and help, under, uh, help you to better understand it, if you'll take that next steps class, it'll make all the difference in your life. But friends, when we discover these three things and we employ them for God's kingdom, man, there's no stopping us. And what a powerful gift that will be for God's glory for God's honor, and for the kingdom to come, just as we pray every single week. May we jump right in. May we chase that purpose. And may we discover that God can use us in any number of ways. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, thank you for the gifts of your spirit, for the ways they empower and equip us, for the ways that you uh, instill a passion within our hearts and our souls to make a difference in the world. God, help us to chase after that purpose. Help us to discover it in such a way that we can be a part of it, that we can make a difference in the world, that we can help build your kingdom. God, this is our end goal. Give us courage to step out in faith and make that real. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of the one, Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.